on this episode of PL and PJ's Surely Not Saints. And NLD Day. to the only Premier League podcast with also the coziest red dress code. That dress code being gray sweatpants or pajamas with a Y if you're uh, doing the British spelling. Sure. Pajamas. That works. You know, honestly, I threw myself off in the intro there because I tried to add something to it. Right. And man, it, I, I didn't love it. I'm definitely reverting back to the way that things were before. Well, to be fair, we're kind of in between catchphrases, you know, like... Coziest dress code, only Premier League podcast with a dress code. Yeah. So I We really need to figure ourselves out. Sure, you know. We are going through an identity crisis as it stands. We only got, what, two more episodes after this? So maybe we figure this out over the summer. Um, I bet we don't. When we're getting ready for the new season. I bet we don't. I bet this is a hot debate going into mm-hmm. next season. People are going to be furious. Yeah, well, especially our, our thriving TikTok community. <laughs> exactly. Oh, speaking of, we should probably record some more of those, huh? Yeah, no, we probably should. They, uh, the people really want us to bring back the FIFA cards. Yeah. We, we might give the people what they want, TBD. Uh, make sure to check out our TikTok page for that. But Brent, we're going to talk about the Saints that are not quite marching on. I thought it was marching in. Well, when the regardless, marching in. they're not. Okay, yeah, no, they're not marching in anyway. Sure. They are, in fact... I feel like we kind of mentioned it a few weeks ago. Under the radar, kind of struggling. They have hit the 40-point mark, which I will concede yep. is safe. Um, I just kind of want to... We think, we think to, it's Yeah, safe. so that's the thing is the ironic point is now this season, it's looking like maybe 40 points won't be safe because Southampton currently have a minus 20 goal differential with Liverpool and Leicester still to play in their final two matches. Which, Brent, I don't see them picking up points at all against Liverpool. And I would not be shocked if they got a blank against Leicester as well. So that just kind of leaves the door open. Well, call it one point out of the next two games. Right. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But e- even zero points out of the next two games, they, they still should be safe. Right, quote-unquote. It would take, what, six points from Leeds and Burnley both? But they do have an extra game in hand. I realize that game in hand, Spurs for Burnley and Chelsea for Leeds. So they both have to have to win their last two games. Right. Assuming that they're going to lose those two matchups, which we will find out tomorrow, I guess, before this episode sure. comes out. So, so these results will have already happened. But the, the main takeaway is, I, I guess, the way I see it, Jake, personally, yep. is... It feels unreasonable that they would be relegated. But at the same time, I kind of hope they are for the scenes, the story. And they're just in terrible form. They're in awful form. And, you know, as poorly as Leeds kind of have been doing, they have the remnants of some decent form. Whereas Southampton, they really just don't look good. They don't have it clicking for them. And they kind of got into that part of the season where they felt safe enough and it came kind of towards 
the last quarter of the season, and they kind of let their foot off the gas just enough to be still in this relegation talk, which I know we've beat it like a dead horse. As, about, as you do with dead as horses. As you do with dead horses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is known. <laughs> but, you know, we brought in a, a fourth team into the discussion at, like, plus 10,000 odds to be relegated currently. Yeah. Worth maybe putting... Uh, a half a farm on that, just in case. Yeah, just out. You never know. Sure. I mean, look, if Leicester can win the Premier League, I think Southampton could be relegated this season. Stranger things have happened. I will say the onus is put on Leeds, I think specifically okay. to perform. And the Luke Ailing straight red banned for the final three matches. Yeah. Does seem to put. A bit of a damper on their chances, a bit reckless, a bit wild, and frankly, as as some pundits said after the match, unprofessional. Sure. From a player that has Premier League experience is kind of, he's not the heart and soul of the team, but, you know, of an important player to the club yeah. to just automatically ban yourself on a tackle that didn't need to be made It was is shocking. Just like a, a whisper from the touchline. Yeah. You don't need to be making that sort of challenge. <laughs> Two foot straight up to the knee tackle. It was... Which wasn't given as a red, mind you, to start. Yeah, VAR had to intervene and give the red. Um, but it was a reckless challenge, to say the least. And it puts Leeds in a tough spot. But if they were to manage to get a few points, uh, specifically yeah. six points... And, <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and Southampton don't get any... Then, uh, you know, come down the goal differential and, you know, didn't probably would still be pretty close. But. It, it would be because leads are so far down. But what I will say is Southampton and Liverpool, I mean, I'm expecting Liverpool to win by like three goals in that game. Sure. So you drop them down to 23. Leicester, maybe it's like a 2-0 game. So you're dropping them down to 25, whereas you have Leeds, who I believe are at 32 minus. They draw Chelsea, like being optimistic, okay. draw Chelsea... They beat Brentford, even if it's by two goals, one goal. It comes down to kind of that Brighton and Hove Albion game, I think, as to whether or not they can make up that difference, as well as how bad of a battering Liverpool put on Southampton. But I think it'll be closer than you think. Like, I think it'll be pretty tight on goal differential. Yeah. It, again, assuming, assuming that they can get everything the happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think realistically, Southampton are safe, but... To keep themselves kind of in the outskirts of this conversation down to the last three games yeah. is, you know, not ideal for a team that looked pretty solid to start the year. Yeah. And Honestly, thank goodness for them that they did. Right, because yeah. imagine where they'd be now. But uh, for a team that should have be more around, uh, you know, the mid-table 10, 11, 12 mm-hmm. positions... To still be loose in this conversation, uh, not great for Southampton. Uh, I guess the real conversation that needs to be had is how do they turn this around for next season? I, I what I will say is the the story with Southampton always seems to be their quality in the transfer market, the value that they're able to mm-hmm. get. Not only I mean I realize that they're known for also promoting youth, but they tend to do very well in the transfer market and picking up players who are undervalued, who come in, perform well, thinking even back, you know, Virgil van Dijk came from yeah. Celtic. Uh, Sadio Mane, I think, came from Red Bull Salzburg before going over to Southampton. 
Um, and these are players who then thrived in the Premier League. And so they need a summer where they get two or three signings, right? Absolutely. I think, in, order to, uh, in order to really contend next season. I think they could also do with more good loan signings like Broja. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was a good call. Maybe they can get some more like that. But uh, we'll have to see. I mean, it'll we'll have to see if they're even in the Premier League still. Yeah, um, for a perennial mid-table, mid-to-low-table team, um, they got to do something to kind of stay afloat because yeah. it is very competitive. And those teams that you think are going to be in the relegation fight, like Newcastle was, yeah. you suddenly pull away. And if enough teams improve enough, then they're going to be struggling next season to stay up. Yep. Uh, assuming that they do stay up this season. But Brent, on to the big topic. The big fixture this week occurring Probably an hour after this is released. It's 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Assuming you do it on time. Assuming I do it on time and you're listening to this right Right away. Right as it comes out. You know what? I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to release (laughs) release this episode an hour early to give some people more time to listen to it. Um, We're talking about the North London Derby. North London Decision Day Derby. That's what D-Day means. Yes, correct. Uh, There's no other implications. There is none. Okay. But, Brent, it's at Tottenham. They need a win to stay in the race for top four. Do they do it? I don't think so. Okay, I hate you, and this podcast is over. Was that too this reactionary? This is my apartment, so get out. I'll drink your whiskey. Oh. I don't mind. Oh, speaking of, we are drinking our nice whiskey. We are drinking Because this nice is our whiskey. last episode in Brent's apartment yeah. before he moves to a different apartment. That's a lot closer to That's you. a lot It'd closer. So that's very nice. But Brent, anyway. please elaborate on why you think Spurs will not win this matchup. So I, Spurs are in good form. Arsenal in good form. I just think, at least from what I've seen in the past, this game disappoints and ends in a draw. Boo. I don't think, well, I want there to be excitement of one team winning. Frankly, for Spurs winning. Like, I think that would be very fun for the race. I think it would make the end of the season more exciting. But I honestly think this match ends in a draw. And because of that, I think that that's kind of confirmed to be Arsenal in the top four down the stretch. I think if they pick up the point, because the thing is, you know, Liv- or I'm sorry, uh, Tottenham have to play for a win. Right. Arsenal just have to play for a draw, you know, and anything better is fantastic for them. So there's more on the line for Tottenham, who already play in a defensive style with Antonio Conte, for the most part. I mean, not that they're not still relatively progressive and counterattacking, but generally speaking, more defensively sound with Antonio Conte in a game where they have to go forward. Maybe sure. that means that their defense is resolute and can hold up to counterattacks from Arsenal. I just think that with the way Arteta has set Arsenal up this season, this match where they can play on the break is more in the hands of Arsenal to perform well and at least get a draw. Brent, for a second there, you sounded like someone with recently fixed eyesight, um, bright, shiny teeth, and a funny German accent because you were criticizing Tottenham for being defensive, just like uh, Jurgen Klopp, yeah. um, although they have the third most goals scored in this year. But... I will uh, I'll let it slide because you kind of, you know, you backtracked a little bit and said that they were defensively sound. Sure. Not that they were just overall a defensive unit. But yeah, I, I think definitely Tottenham have to come out firing. Uh, they can't play 
just for the counterattack, like they right. did against I guess that's what Liverpool. I was thinking of, yeah. Um, but then if you're Arsenal, you can't just go in expecting to draw. Like, you can't play for that. It's a bad mentality to have. You can play maybe a little more secure and safer, but you you kind of still have to try to pinch a goal and, you know, put it on Tottenham to go down and put the pressure on. But, yeah, I, I think Spurs come out with the correct game plan. I think Conte has really prided himself on, you know, getting a game plan for each certain opponent, and it kind of changes each time. And I think he he selects the correct one for this Arsenal team, who is in great form. Nine points from Chelsea United West Ham. Well, yeah, United don't really count, you know. Still. <laughs> Their name alone, it, sure. it counts. Um, so I think it's going to be a tall task. But Brent, I think Tottenham do it. I think if you know anything about Spurs and the way that their history goes and the way they build you up and then let you down, they are going to win this game and then drop points in the final two matches to not make top four. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Jake, what I will say is I'm going to counter one point that you made about Arsenal not having to play for a draw, where I would say if this was being played at the Emirates, I agree. However, being played at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, yeah. generally speaking, if you're playing any top six opposition away from home, you are happy with taking a point away from that. You don't necessarily need to go for all three points when you're playing away from home. So I agree that it's not necessarily the mentality of like somebody that's, you know, vying for a Champions League spot. But in general terms, you know, if Chelsea go to Liverpool, they're fine with a point. If Man City go to Liverpool, they're fine with the point. If Liverpool go to Man City, they're fine with a point. If Tottenham go to Manchester United, right. in theory, you're fine with a point. You're delighted if you get three. But on a general basis, you want to follow the rule of you win your home match and you don't lose the away match. That's generally the winning recipe. So is it so wrong for Arsenal to then aim for a draw? I'm not saying that they're not going to be content with the draw, which obviously they will be. It's just the fact that they can't set up in a sort of shell that Tottenham did against Liverpool, where they kind of like absorbed some of the pressure, and then when it was their chance to kind of go on the front foot, they took that opportunity. I don't think Arsenal have the setup to do that. I don't think they have the quality playing out of the back as it is, especially with some injuries. I think their defensive midfielders are kind of lacking at the moment, also due to some injuries. So I think that they kind of have to continue playing like they have been, which is more kind of possession and trying to play defensively by keeping the ball and going forward and keeping Tottenham away from their half, and that is just by attacking. But I think that kind of feeds into Tottenham's game plan. Sure. And that they kind of cap they capitalize on whatever chances Arsenal give them. Um, we live, I live for these moments, the big rivalries. So I hope that Tottenham's players do as well. I see us coming up, coming out on top, maybe 2 3 1. Okay. Well, Jake, and uh, first off, apologies if you heard the ice machine sure. in the background, yeah. if the microphone picked that up. But 
it's interesting you said that because currently as it stands, Tottenham do have a plus six goal differential on Arsenal. Right. And that could be important down the stretch as Spurs go to play Burnley and Norwich in their final two. And Arsenal play Newcastle and Everton, presumably a little easier for Arsenal. But Everton are in great form as it stands. Mm-hmm. Where they got that one win and I thought they would crash back down to earth. Sure. They have instead kind of flipped the coin. They're carrying that momentum through and, and performing well. I think fighting against a truly relegation-threatened Burnley and a poor Norwich team spurs, while Norwich on the surface, you know, should be an easy win. You also have should a team... Be. Every single time, it seems like that team that falls out of the Premier League guarantee, like the bottom team. They go out with a bang. They go out with a bang, and they like pull off some miraculous draw or win, but I don't see a win happening here. But it seems like because they have nothing else to lose, right? They might as well go for the game right. because they're going down anyway, and they want to take some positive momentum into the championship. I think Spurs' final two is more dangerous than Arsenal's. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I don't see uh, Norwich putting up a 5-1 win versus Spurs with 10 men like Newcastle did six sure. years ago. But I, I do think you know they do want to go out with their dignity and put up a, a tough match. But I think if we get this win, it's just going to be that Burnley game. If we can get that win at home... Versus a Burnley side that we lost to away, you mm-hmm. know, the little chip on your shoulder. I think we kind of glide through that Norwich game, and it's all in Arsenal's hands. Um, if they pick up the three points in each of their final two matches, that's that. But if they drop um, two points in either of those matches, yeah. then, then it's Spurs fourth place uh, for the taking. But Brent, um, you pointed out pre-pod that the scheduling is kind of ridiculous. It's very unfortunate from Tottenham's perspective. We play Thursday evening. As does Arsenal. As does Arsenal, obviously. The late match. I believe it's, is it seven hours ahead is England? So they're playing at 7.45 p.m. From Mountain Time, it is seven. Yeah. So it's the, you know, it's an evening match during the weekday um, on a Thursday. And then we turn around and play at the earliest slot, I believe. on England. Yeah, on Sunday. And Arsenal play on Monday. Yeah. Which, also at a later time as well. Which is like, we're playing Burnley. Like, we have no other, you know, fixtures coming up that we need to schedule around. No midweek action. Yeah, and nor does Burnley. Yeah, so I, I get maybe you want to split up enough games where there's like one game Monday, one game Tuesday. Right. So, peop- so you get more viewership. I understand the finances behind it. But, you know... Why not just spread it out even more? Like put us on Tuesday or even put Arsenal Tuesday and put us on Monday. Just give us that extra day rest. Anyways, that doesn't matter if Spurs don't come out on Thursday when this podcast is released and get the result they need, which is the three points. True. Jake, I want one tagline. Just one word. One team. Who do you think makes it to the Champions League spot, that fourth place position? Arsenal or Spurs or... Wild card Chelsea if they continue to underperform. Uh, one word. Um, I'll go Woolwich for uh, the Gooners. I think they're going to take that fourth spot, but I couldn't 
I couldn't give them a, a good word, so I'm going to go it. with their Southern London nickname. Um, but yeah, I, I think Spurs, one way or the other, bottle it, if you will. Um, sure. It is in our nature. I'll be okay with Europa League. Sure. I won't be happy about it, but an act, that's an actual European competition. Like, the whatever conference league we were in, absolute joke. I, I don't rate it. But Europa League... Sure. I if we went and won that, I would say that is good enough. That is a trophy that I can stand behind. But yeah, unfortunately, Brent, um, it pains me to say it, but the Gooners, I think, are gonna snatch up that fourth spot. I agree. Okay. But in a perfect world, in my mind, I was going to say Chelsea. And Gooners take third. Third. What if Chelsea lose That's... the last whatever games? And get the fifth. I'm not sure if that's. It possible. would be wild. <laughs> it is possible as it stands. Is it the same uh, like Spurs as the Southampton the, odds? Exactly. It, it's probably the exact same. I can get that real quick, but I'm pretty sure. So Chelsea play Leeds. So as as a fan of an American coach, I obviously want Leeds to beat Chelsea. So in a perfect world, they do. Then they play Leicester. And then they play Watford, and for all we know, <laughs> Watford is that relegation-bound team that sure. comes up with the surprising okay. result at the end, and Tottenham get past Norwich easily. Right. That can definitely happen. It's possible. It's improbable, but it's possible. But you know what isn't improbable, Jake? Our bets this week? Yeah, that is. Ex- how did you know that? Because it's next on the outline. You're kidding. <laughs> no, it's Did right I here. Did I make another one of those? Jake, why don't you go over those surprise odds then for us? I would, I would genuinely appreciate it so I could take a sip of my beer. Brent, first we have Leicester to beat Watford at a surprising one, plus 125, which anyone to beat Watford at plus odds is yeah. surprising. But a team... Unless it was like Norwich. But a team <laughs> that is mid-table... Had some struggles, but still a solid team overall in Leicester. I think that's quite shocking. Oh, consider me shocked, Jake. And, oh, just shocked you. Yeah, no, I got it. I got what <laughs> you were doing. I, I didn't actually feel it, but I wanted to sell it okay. for the audience. Jake, it. what we have next is our game pick of the week. Both teams to score no in Liverpool-Southampton at plus 114. Basically saying... Liverpool keeps a shutout against Southampton, which I think is very plausible. Uh, definitely. Um, if you happen to watch the game today, being Tuesday, um, Liverpool, Aston Villa, where they conceded in three minutes, obviously don't a want fluke. to repeat that. Yeah. So I think they uh, share things up defensively. And, uh, you know, as of now, still in the title race and. Still will be in the title race yeah. uh, come this weekend, especially if City happen to drop points tomorrow. Uh, but Brent, I, I, I really like that one, but I like this one even more. Our player pick. You're kidding. Jamie Vardy to score first versus Watford. You know, we've talked about this fixture already. We think Leicester are going to uh, walk over them. And we were debating whether to get him at plus 125 for any time goal score, but we decided to, you know, one-up it, say he's, you know, coming back to getting real game time, and we're backing him to get the start and to score first at plus 410. It's just more about growing your farm. 
You know, <laughs> it's it's plus four ten. That farm is gonna grow. It's all about farms. It's be nice. Always. Jake. Lastly, we have our Jack Sparrow Pirates Code Parlay. It's funny that you say that, not because uh, we do it every week, but because my boss in our Monday morning meeting is Jack Sparrow said parlay. And he, he referenced it because he said, they're more just like guidelines. <laughs> no, that is fun. Um, and like it took everything in my being not to just unmute myself and go, parlay. <laughs> yeah, no, Jake, that's really funny. <laughs> anyway, okay. um, we have for our parlay, Arsenal to beat Newcastle and Leeds, Brighton, and Hove Albion over two and a half goals scored at plus 244 odds. Jake, it was funny. I'm really sorry that I... That was the rudest thing anyone's ever said to me, but we'll get past it with lots of therapy. Brent, plus 244 is screaming odds for two things that seem like easy dubs. We often say sure things. This is a sure Sure thing. thing. Yeah. The surest of all sure things, if you will. This is insurance. That's how sure it is. Oh my gosh. Is that where that word comes from? Yep. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> in. Incredible. Nice. Yeah. Just following the same yeah, pattern. Sure. No, I got yeah. you. Well, Brent, um, I'm just looking at our odds sheet right now in our weekly bets and thinking, wow, we're going to come back here next week. Not literally here because you'll be in a new apartment. Or I'll be in a different place. We'll be in a different place. We'll be back at during this podcast next week and be up so many farms. Well... Some of us will be. Oh, Brent doesn't bet. I will be at so many farms, yeah. and I will share my glory with him in Look, spirit. Cats out of the bag. Yes, I don't bet anymore. I went through a big loss streak with some winnings that I had that just really it shook me to the core. And he did the responsible thing. And stopped. And stopped. And we're proud of him. Um, but... I- I keep losing, and I keep betting. So. <laughs> more! More! more. Uh, but that is a different topic altogether. Yeah, terrible Star Wars movie. Uh, what? But Brent, um, I can see in your Kona big wave as you finish it, that is gone. Your whiskey is also gone. So is mine. So that must mean from the only Premier League podcast with... A pajama-themed dress code. That is also cozy. (laughs) That is also cozy. We'll see you next time.